Welcome to episode one. I'm Mr. Wedgworth. Myself and Mr. Barker were profoundly affected by the events surrounding the death of Sarah Everard. Today we ask, what is femininity? What does it mean to be a woman at the start of their teaching career? How can we critique what we see in the media? And what are we actually going to call this podcast? Hello, Mr. Wedgworth. Hello, Mr. Barker. So I think we should start by talking about uh, why we are doing this. So you sent an email, didn't you? That was very eloquent, better than what I could ever send. <laughs> what, uh, what, what made you kind of start to do this, uh, start this project off? I, I suppose I was I was building on our success um, from the Black History Day we did where we managed to get the whole school talking about um, those issues, Black Lives Matter and black culture and things. Um, And I thought that this would be a good opportunity to kind of delve into another topic, um, which is, you know, obviously very topical, extremely important, and also has a lot in common with um, the Black History Month because it's about diversity, it's about equality, and it's about challenging what we see as the norm so i thought well we thought what better way to do it than a podcast or even a series of podcasts on the topic of men's attitudes towards women yeah so um with that we took a bit of inspiration from something you sent me wasn't it it was a podcast from is it the guardian yeah guardian today in focus guardian today in focus from uh, and there was a, a bit from uh, a doctor called dr jackson katz yeah who said something quite uh, interesting about the way we use language in the media especially when considering um when when considering like passive language and and, and men's attitudes towards women now we were originally gonna we were originally kind of referring to this as attitudes towards women weren't we mm. and i guess this is part of our learning curve already of, of you know what we're learning as we go along yeah um and then with that uh we thought well what would be the first thing we could do is uh Ask a female English teacher about it. Absolutely. So we spoke to Miss Zhang, didn't we? we? Did. And we started by talking about the passive voice and the problems it can cause. Uh, and maybe by the time we've spoken to Miss Zhang, we'll have a name for the podcast. Maybe. Or maybe Should we not. listen to see what she has to say? Let's listen. mindful about the ways in which we use language to start off with I suppose what is passivity to be passive it's the opposite of active you're kind of obedient um, this lack of directness and if you apply it in terms of language itself um, this passive voice to really really simplify it it's this idea that you have a noun and you have a verb and the action is done to the noun so for example this is a really arbitrary example but Bananas are liked by monkeys, so your main subject would be the bananas. Okay, um, I think we need to be really mindful of the way we phrase and, well, not victim blame, but ensure that the way that we articulate 
ourselves is direct and we're not blurring the boundaries and you know creating gray space in which non-conscious discrimination happens the media is a prime example so a lot of their newspaper articles will be very very passive so it's not directly attacking anyone it's not laying the blame at anyone's feet and if you think about it that's a really really clever way of doing it because you're you're not accusing you're not trying to create legislation and you know make make waves you're just reporting on the news they're not actually targeting anyone which is quite problematic in itself you know we've seen lots of articles come up in which we have gender-based violence that almost turn it on the female being a victim and yet there is no male villain why is that you know so it's creating this really really gray space in which we're not questioning the world that we live in and what we need to be really careful of is making sure that we are really really critical making sure that we're seeing bias where there is bias and calling it out when you guys were coming up with the name of the podcast itself I think you came up with the name of attitudes towards women and then that in itself is an example of passive voice isn't it because well whose attitudes are they why aren't we naming who's real at fault here well not at fault but you know we need to call out what is happening in society so thanks to miss zhang for that uh we'll be hearing from her again very shortly that was interesting wasn't it it was really interesting i think in particular the the thing that we kind of learned from that was this idea of there is this passivity in the media with regards to not really holding anyone to account and I think Ms. Zhang perfectly said there, you know, we, we, we need to be careful with phrases like attitudes towards women. Because what is the one word you're not using in that phrase? Men. Exactly. Right. So, um, again, we still aren't quite there with a podcast name yet <laughs> with regards to calling the podcast something overall with the podcast. But... Um, we know that we were going to kind of call this after we were going to we, we, we're going to look at this style of language and, and, and make sure that we're being a bit more careful with that and again as i said before part of our learning curve immediately with it so shall we talk about the main feature of the podcast yes so it's a, a discussion between teachers um you and i and four others so there's mr wedger mr barker uh miss leyland miss kempster miss zhang and mr allsop and we're all teachers kind of near the beginning of our career. Yeah, we decided to refer to each other through by our teacher names, didn't we? Yeah. Um, now, we did that because this is for you guys as students, uh, and we felt that that would be the best way to do it. But I think it's important to say that these, as, as you've already said, these are people that we're, we're friends with, these are, these are colleagues, but we're, they're also people that we have qualified with and trained with as well. So please... Just be aware that this is some. This is a conversation between not only colleagues but also friends, and it and it was genuinely, this was the start of our kind of journey with this, and and the fact that these were the people we felt like we should go to first to get a, an initial kind of view of what things have been like, um, with regards to kind of um, experiences as as women and 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 men as well going into teaching for the first time. Absolutely, and and so we started by asking. What does it mean to be feminine? I think- 
think femininity is quite a complex concept. Femininity is more of like a social construct and it stems from this idea of perhaps being a woman. But obviously that idea is still quite separate. We've got this idea of being a woman and then being feminine as two very different and distinct things. I.e. being a woman has connotations of more scientific and um, femininity is more of like a, a social construct. Yeah, there's a biological component to sex, whereas gender is perhaps more performed or constructed. And then within that, you've got kind of performances of gender, which I would say femininity kind of comes under, perhaps. Um, in terms of the modern era, if you like, I think it definitely has, if I'm thinking about, you know, um, my mum and older members of my family and, and what it means for them to be feminine, I think it definitely perhaps was tied more to domestic life. Um, some of those roles within the family, caregiving roles, uh, you know, looking after a household, cooking, cleaning, raising children. Um, and I think some of those things are still true today, but I do think that we've kind of maybe broadened our scope for what it means to be or what it means to show femininity in, in the modern world. The, the beauty of it is that there isn't one definition. Do you feel that this phrase, femininity, in a, maybe in a male sense, to be feminine, was it, it, I, I, it has been for me, but I don't know about you, but in your lifetime has been used as maybe an insult almost? I think if you're talking about feeling it as though it's an insult, it's almost like male insecurity, and that male feel, feel insecure, they don't feel like... Um, they can be themselves because of being perceived as being being feminine. And I know that I know that all of us guys will will openly be ourselves, but others others may struggle because of the sort of the stereotypes with with um, with gender as as uh, Miss Kempster and Miss Angler were talking about. I think it's definitely hard to separate it from stereotypes, isn't it? So the kind of feminine stereotypes are the things that are kind of binary opposites to masculine stereotypes. And if you've got a a male who happens to have some of those traits of a fem what are considered to be feminine traits then it's you know i suppose traditionally not socially normal in inverted commas and of course things are much more kind of fluid than that aren't they everybody like mr Allsop was saying has different interests and different skills and different attributes that make them them rather than make them feminine or masculine i suppose say like for example as a music teacher has music been something that's classes feminine i remember being in the choir and it was like the mickey was taken out of me immediately we have loads of great male singers and a lot of male singers who are completely happy. But I suppose kind of if you think about the, the trends, generally not so many boys are keen to get up and sing than girls. Whereas in the in the music industry, that's not really reflected. So it's interesting. I was wondering whether so we've got this idea of toxic masculinity. Um, and I was talking about this with my year eight boys today as well, actually, about these pressures to not show emotion, to be, you know, be James Bond-esque and very stoic and unemotional. And I wonder whether there's such a thing as toxic femininity. And actually, why is that not a term that we, we use? And I don't know whether, Miss Leyland, you want to jump in about this idea of toxic femininity, especially coming from a STEM background. At school, it was very much seen as, you know, I took triple science. There was a, a mixed group of us that took triple science, but it was always the boys prefer physics, the girls prefer biology. And that's really not the case. Like we're seeing now a lot more 
girls getting involved and really enjoying physics because of the maths side of it but it was very much seen as you know linked to kind of engineering and going into that kind of job role that physics would automatically be a boy's area and biology would be a girl's area because it links to the body and you know that motherly instinct of looking after somebody else so I think it's really interesting it's been really good to kind of see like obviously you know I'm I teach physics I teach biology and it's really interesting to see that actually that kind of stereotype doesn't exist anymore no I was just gonna just sort of posing a question more more than making a comment that is it has it been historically a bit like a self-fulfilling prophecy I wonder if traditional ideas of being feminine are now no longer having an influence, especially as we've stripped away these traditional stereotypes of girls having also taking on the humanities roles and, you know, doing food tech and doing the domestic role. And as women have, you know, taken their place within industry and being pioneers of business and science that, you know, those traditional stereotypes have now been stripped away I think as well a lot of it um is about role models so if we see or if a student sees a positive female role model then that kind of thing helps to break down those barriers doesn't it I thought it might just be interesting um Miss Sang I, I'm sure you'll enjoy this but I I was just curious to see what the dictionary definition of feminine was um having qualities or appearances traditionally associated with women and uh, this is great the example it gives is the snowdrops gave a feminine touch to the table brilliant that's just that's just sickening I don't like that at all I hate it <laughs> it's interesting when you compare it to masculine and you think about how much power is given to those masculine qualities and I think that's where we get into the problem, because while women have been given this role of flower decorating and homemaking and wearing dresses and doing their hair, men have been given qualities like strength and power and leadership. And, you know, the list goes on. And, and that's where we start to get an imbalance. And I think that's where the language is powerful. You know, obviously, as an English teacher, I could go on about that. I think that just proves that... Um institutionally and, and generally within society those stereotypes are massively prominent and that yes we can say yes we're breaking these stereotypes and, and we're breaking those things down but from a pessimistic point of view you still see men in, in more powerful positions generally across society there are more women in jobs like business but it's still a problem isn't it it still needs working on that's why we're having this discussion today i guess So just really quickly before we go on to this next part uh, of this feature, Miss Leyland is going to start talking about uh, PGC students and yeah. her role as a mentor. Uh, what is a PGC student, Mr. Wedgworth? It's a bit of teacher jargon, isn't it, Mr. Yes. Bunker, that we should clear up. So a PGCE is a postgraduate certificate in education. And if you're a PGC student, you are taking your PGC, which means you're learning how to be a teacher. It's a qualification you need to be a teacher. And we've both got one. You'll be we, pleased to hear. We have. We have, fortunately, yes. Uh, so we're going to be hearing uh, from Miss Aileen and Miss Zhang uh, talking about their roles as a PGC mentors. So a PGC mentor. Do you want to go for that one as well, Mr. Wedgworth? See if I can get this one as well. So yeah. a PGC mentor is somebody who, a teacher who's experienced and 
who um, gets a student to kind of uh, follow them, to shadow them, to learn from them. Um, so a PGC mentor is a is a kind of a, it's a great thing to do if you're a teacher wanting to develop your own career. Should we listen to hear what they have to say? Let's. This year, I've become a PGC mentor. Um, and when Miss Crabtree was asking me about whether I wanted to do it, you know, I was very positive and very like, yes, this is something that I want to do. You know, I, I loved having Miss Goldsmith as my mentor and felt very comforted and supported through it. Um, and, you know, it works with my qualities as a as a person. You know, I'm very supportive and I thought it'd be a really good role for me. Um, but one of the things that she asked me to think about was if I get an older man who's going to become a teacher you need to think about will he listen to you and I'd never thought about that before I'd never thought that actually him being you know a new starting teacher whether he would actually listen to me and listen to the advice that I was given being a young female in the profession you know I just assumed that because I was the more experienced teacher that they would listen and you know take on my advice and I'd never thought that actually being a young female teacher would be a disadvantage in that view that they then wouldn't take my advice because I was a woman and to even just have that as a as a thing that you should have to think about like that kind of worry that's yeah yeah Yeah, I mean I mirror that in the fact that I've been a PGC mentor for a few years now and I've I've had those similar experiences to Miss Leyland where if I have a male student will they listen to me will they take on my feedback as a member of staff who has that experience and I suppose that's quite interesting as well in that we do have different sort of barriers in a way to to navigate just because of our sex when I was deciding what career path I wanted to take um, on a cultural perspective it was very much like yes teaching would be a good path because you are a girl it's that nuance of culture does have an influence within this sort of discussion as well do you think different cultures have different stereotypes of men and women then there's definitely going to be layers within that and cultural differences within that and even maybe even as far as regional differences within Britain or perhaps class differences as well what does that look like and it will look different for for everybody just to go back to what Miss Dang was saying a moment ago around choosing a career path and it's interesting I don't think I had I don't think I've ever voiced this necessarily out loud so maybe bear with me but I I think one of the reasons that I didn't get into teaching until now was perhaps because I didn't feel that I was going to be listened to or that I would be well established enough as a young female that I would have enough I guess the word I'm looking for is authority and so I I sort of waited until I felt like I had enough power to begin with to be taken seriously how many other women out there are waiting to to feel like they're ready like they're or or like they are yeah like they're going to be taken seriously I think this just seems to just permeate every area of life, doesn't it? We're talking about the cultural links, but it just seems to me, having had this discussion and having thought about this a lot recently and having kind of, I mean, Mr. Barker and I were talking about how we're trying to educate ourselves as men, just the fact that it's it's such a huge topic and that kind of possibly a slightly naive thing to say, but 
I think you can't underestimate the the depth of the um, the issue, really. Do you know what I was just thinking about as well? And I, I it struck me what Miss Aiden said about like how if what if she had a PGC who was a man? Like, I I don't know if it's, I, I I'm not trying to make myself sound good or anything, but like as someone who trained with a female who had a female mentor, um, and then I also obviously during my when I was in my first year teacher I had Miss Mrs Gardner as a mentor like that that idea of actually that I think the 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 women who I had training me as a teacher to become who I am as a teacher were are probably one of two of the most influential people I've ever had in my career and actually it's quite it's quite sad to know that that just that that has to be breached almost that idea that you know what if it is a man I guess Mr Barker the very fact that we're kind of surprised by that um Mr Olsop as well just speaks to the fact that we haven't as men had to consider that as an issue we haven't had to consider you know our gender in relation to our career which is our privilege and yeah I mean like what you're saying there's so many incredible strong female role models in our staff team who I certainly learn from every day and you know three of them are in this call so you know we all learn from each other Oh, that was warm. I agree. Absolutely. When I started going into teaching, I think it's everybody who goes into teaching has the feeling that or the slight worry that they won't be listened to as a woman. You don't you just get the stereotype reinforced. So it makes it worse. You just get well, you have to overcome your the fact that you're a woman. And it's like, well, why? I think on the flip side, you've got the danger of as a woman, whether you're going to come off as shrill um, and that's just another, like, you know, notion of how you're supposed to perform that that is problematic in itself. Being from a kind of a working class family, I've always had to work hard and, you know, I've had like knockbacks and things like that. But I, I'd never really considered that actually maybe I was being treated differently because I was a woman. Um, so that's kind of, you know, opened it up to like obviously what's been going on in the news we've had a lot more discussions and actually like I'm not the only one that does these things like coming home in a dark alley like turning off my music and things like that I'd never considered that every woman does that I thought that that was just a that's just something that I do because I'm over paranoid or I'm over anxious and like to have those conversations now with other women to find out actually like this isn't just me and my worries this is actually like a global thing and this is something that needs to be discussed and talked about and I was actually going to pose a question of um whether or not uh, Miss Leyland Miss Kempster whether you've actually thought about the language that you use within school and how you alter it when you're talking to you know women and men and whether there's conscious construct of the way that you you talk there's a there's a really interesting issue with language and I suppose there's something about the idea that as a woman I am seen as less threatening and perhaps as more of a maternal figure, as a more nurturing figure. There's something interesting going on there about the language that I can use with young people and the way that I can relate to them. But I think it goes back to this idea of overcoming the issues that we face as, as women and one of the ways that I can manage behaviour and kind of get young people to see me as 
an authority figure is to build those relationships with them in a different way than if I was a man. Yeah, I, th- I think everything that you you guys have just said is 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 so evident within school. I mean, I I, ne- I never use a word like lovely or or sweetie. The way that we build the stereotype as a, as a female teacher being a more caring person and a more caring role within school is so ingrained that as as a progress leader, when we're making decisions about how we how we best support kids, sometimes I make the decision that okay, I'm probably best. I'm probably not the best person to support this child or this young person at this moment in time. I I, I want a, I want a female to take that role, and I don't know whether I'm whether that's because I don't I don't believe in myself enough as a, as a caring person or as, a, as someone who can be that caring person, or whether or whether I think that a woman should do that role because that, they are better at it. This conversation that Mr Barker and I had earlier was about me as a young person who naturally took leadership roles, let's put it that way, and was called by both staff and students uh, bossy or controlling or a control freak. And it made me quite self-conscious. And I think I worked really hard to not come across as bossy and I and I think in doing so I perhaps didn't put my hand up as often or I didn't volunteer as um you know the the head of a group or I didn't want to get involved as much as I as I used to and it's interesting that I was speaking to a friend of mine who said uh who I know you know we have similar personality traits and he said to me that he was never given that word. He was always referred to as having leadership qualities or showing leadership qualities. And I wondered, yeah, as Mr. Barker said, do are there other people that have had similar experiences or do you notice it in your classrooms? Well, I was just going to say, um, in terms of female leadership, Alderman White's quite a good place to, to work because obviously we've got a female head teacher and we've got female members of SLT. But then you look wider and it's not directly related, I suppose, but I heard a thing on the radio the other day that was talking about the the countries that have responded best to the pandemic are those that have female leaders. And it just got me thinking, well, is there a a correlation at all between um, leadership qualities and gender and sex? Or is it just a matter of, you know, people's individual personalities and individual attributes I suppose I don't really have an answer to that but it's an interesting thing to consider isn't it there's a, there's a tribe I think in either in the Amazon or somewhere like that which is very isolated to the rest of to the rest of the world and it has been a tribe for, for thousands of years and it is developed in that way and it has a matriarchal society in that in that the, there is a matriarch there is a there are female leaders and the men are the, the the sort of the workers and the, and the gatherers and the ones who sort of do as they're told basically and it's interesting to, to know to, to sort of I don't know everything about this tribe but I think I read something about it and I may have even had a chat with with one of you guys about it and it was just really interesting to see how a different society has developed um maybe through like Mr Wedger says through through natural qualities that are born out of being a woman 
I think there is. I think that's perhaps where we're moving towards. What does it look like when you've got a, a young woman who is comfortable expressing masculine qualities? And what does it look like when you've got a young boy who is comfortable expressing feminine qualities? That's, I think, where we're, that for me is perhaps the the goal where we're heading. But how you do that, and I suppose when this goes out, you know, to the young people, older and white, this is what we're asking you, really. How do we get to that place? How can we make you guys feel comfortable? I'd love for, for young boys and girls to both grow up uh, feeling as though they can have qualities of both masculine and femininity. As from experience, feeling that's at work, I feel like I can be more feminine. I don't know if you think I am, but sometimes I feel like I can be more feminine around you guys as friends rather than some of the other friends I have uh, in terms of I, I live in, a, in quite a working class area um, who I, I, I go to my local for a drink on a Friday night. I play cards. We play darts. We do things like that. Um, and do I have to rein it in a bit then and, and let the women stand at the bar with their glasses of Prosecco? And that's the sort of situation that it's in. And it's not a nice sort of way of looking at it. I think a lot of it, it, this kind of speaks to the wider issues of prejudices and stereotypes that were in society um and it kind of depends on who you who you are who are around you as to how comfortable you feel to express yourself so it's a big it's a big deal there is a sort of like this stereotype of male conversations with each other like maybe in a social setting like the pub where we have lemonade uh, that you sit there like talking about the football and things like that. I feel like that is a stereotype, but also feel like, can you sit with that comfortably? I don't know. So I think stereotypes exist for a reason, right? Like they don't, they don't come out of a vacuum. The problem comes when we don't realise that they're stereotypes and when we don't realise that there are nuances and that actually real human beings are a lot more complicated than that. The problems come from when we don't allow room for those other examples of what it means to be a woman women and femininity and and those other examples that don't fit in within those categories yeah so I think again it's this idea that stereotypes unchallenged can be damaging as with a lot of things it's this idea of making sure that we're challenging the rhetoric that is around us challenging the world that is around us and what is popular belief because I think it would be quite foolhardy to accept everything on face value. Yes, stereotyping is, you know, it's an innate human quality that we have to, you know, make sense of the world around us, but we still have to maintain that that idea of being critical and evaluating what is truth and what is, you know, something that's been constructed. You need to be able to, to understand them and accept them to be able to break them and, and make them better. The problem comes from the oversimplification and it comes from the fixedness of them. It doesn't necessarily come from the stereotype itself. So, so it's, it's okay to it's okay to group people. I yeah, think. that's it. Yeah, it's okay to understand that there are feminine qualities as long as you understand that you don't just simplify that and that you don't just fix people and say, well, you can only like pink dresses, you can only like football, and anything else is wrong or, or out, outside of that. And I, you know, get angry about it or confused or, or refuse to accept it. I think that's it. So we finally went on to the big question of this feature. 
Um, and I first he mentioned some statistics that were published via a, a YouGov survey that spoke about the fact that um, between the ages of 18 and 24 years old, 97% of women said that they had experienced some sort of abuse with regards, whether that was kind of sexual, whether that was uh, through things like catcalling. Um, and it was a big statistic that I think really, you know, hit home for a lot of people, especially kind of off the back of the Sarah Everard case and, and the Clapham vigil. So we spoke about that and also asked our colleagues and friends, what could we be, what could we do as men, as male teachers, to help address this and and to and to almost um, again uh, help shape these help shape attitudes that are more positive um, towards women. Now, Miss Kempster kind of threw a curveball in, didn't she? She did. <laughs> she asked what we thought th- first. So, uh, uh, as male as male teachers, I think that was a fair thing to do. I guess. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, oh, it's me first, wasn't it? It was. I took the plunge. This is probably a good place to start talking to female teachers, talking to girls and understanding the situation, educating ourselves. Um, And I'm talking as a male teacher, kind of having this constant awareness of the issue and the fact that it needs to not just be something that we talk about in, you know, the odd assembly, not just a thing we have occasional citizenship lessons about. I think it's a thing that needs to pervade the entire school in a similar way to how we're, across the school, we're trying to think about diversity um, in terms of race. We need to also think about, is everything we're doing actively promoting um, better attitudes as men towards women? Are we teaching our year seven boys? I mean, as a year seven form tutor, Am I teaching the boys in my form? Am I role modelling positive attitudes towards towards women? And and are they seeing, you know, relationships with women? Um, positive examples of those. They're the kind of the questions that I think as as male teachers, well as as all teachers, we we need to be constantly asking ourselves and challenging ourselves. I, I agree with Mr. Wedgworth that I'd I'd like to see the the focus on diversity of all forms the recognition of that from the top and i mean not necessarily the top as a school but the top as the secretary of state for education even even with it at a school level it, it needs to be driven from the bottom up and the top down i think there is there is a desire for it and there needs to be something in place so male teachers can be made to think about how they behave and reflect and evaluate how they behave in the classroom. I think we as staff need to be aware sometimes that we can we can treat um, girls and boys quite differently, or maybe not quite differently, but in subtle differences. Um, often, I don't know, maybe with the when dealing with behaviour and, and, and things like that, and we need to be aware that those differences exist and, and think about whether that, whether that's okay or or, or not, and uh, and make those changes that, that need to happen. So, if you want the, if you want my perspective, the third, the third male in this chat, uh, I and I, I don't want to make this sound dramatic, but I, I had a conversation today with some year ten students about this whole everything that we spoke about today, and a student said something to me that 
to me, like, changed my viewpoint on all of this. And she said that feminism needs to be made cool in a classroom. And I, I felt that, actually, yes, I've maybe taught feminist perspective in, as an English teacher or even as a photography teacher. But actually, have I just taught it as a thought and maybe not taught it as, you know, um, a viewpoint that can be cool? It is something that is um, enriched within culture and, it, and it, it's created so many interesting films, TV shows, books, music. And that actually, we talk about feminism as regards to what it actually is, but do we talk about, do we celebrate feminism? Do we actually think about it as like a um, something that has been a real benefit to society? And maybe that's something to think about. Do we think about it as like an academic thing or as something that is a, 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 a feeling and something that is actually a, a good thing, a positive movement? Yeah, so I just wanted to kind of say, you know, that, I'm just so pleased and so proud that actually Alderman White is getting involved and is celebrating this diversity, you know, having that whole day like devoted to Black Lives Matter and celebrating the black culture, you know, having this conversation, it, it wasn't, it was never something that happened when we were at school, like it was never talked about and never celebrated and discussed. And I think that's such a good first step in the right direction that actually you know we are considering these things and you know our students know and realize that it's wrong that these stereotypes are out there and these ideas about you know it's it's just normal for a woman to have to worry about walking home on her own like I think it's so great that we've kind of nourished and nurtured this kind of community of actually it's good that we talk about these things and we get them out there and we don't just let them kind of fester. Like, it's such a great thing that we are talking, we are discussing, and that the kids are so involved in that discussion. I think it's it's really encouraging. And I, for one, really enjoy getting to hear what the kids think about it. I completely agree, Miss Leyland. And I think that's one of the, the real joys of working at Alderman White but also working as a teacher in general that you you feel like you can really hear what the young people are thinking yeah that's that's just such a, a privilege that we that we have and an insight that we have in answer to Mr Barker's original question in terms of you know what can male teachers do or what can males do or men do to move this forward the biggest thing that that came away from my reaction to the Sarah Everard murder and the the kind of conversations that went on my social media feeds and that that I found myself reading in the news articles was just how important it is for men to be having the conversation with other men and for men to be holding other men accountable and if we talk to our students directly how important it is for those young boys to hold their peers their other male friends accountable for the language that they use around women and for the stories that they tell about the girls that they know and for the friendships that they cultivate with the people in their classes. That, I think, is the route that will drive this forward and that will make the biggest change because women have been talking about this for so long and we're still having the conversation. 
And it was such a joy to have this conversation, this particular conversation, instigated by the male members of staff. I can't think of a time in my life where that has ever been the case. And that's quite extraordinary, really, to think about. And so what we need our young people to do is take charge and take responsibility for, yeah, holding their friends accountable. And not in a big, drastic way, but just those small challenges, just by saying, hey, did you really mean to call her that word? Did you really mean that about her? Did that, you know, is that okay? Just just a little bit of that questioning, I think, would be such a phenomenal, we would see such a phenomenal difference um, in the in the behaviours and the and the responses to this. And and so yeah, I suppose that that's that's my my advice to the to the men and the boys that are listening. It's it's about holding your friends accountable, holding your male friends accountable. Yeah, I, I don't know what else more to add, really, apart from the fact that this is just a mere drop in the ocean. Everything that we do is really, really important, but we have to keep this momentum going to to carry on having these frank, open discussions with one another, have them with the people around us, regardless of who they are, whether they're a student, whether they're a member of staff. And, you know, for men and boys are supposed to to just listen to listen to understand and when they do hear something that does not sit right to not be afraid to question it and I think we must empower ourselves and each other and others to be able to hold each other accountable for this. Well, I don't know about you, Mr. Barker, but that was, you know, extremely eye-opening. I kind of thought we, before we started doing this, I thought we had a responsibility as male teachers to delve into this issue. And that has just, you know, clarified that, hasn't it? Yeah, I just, I think I'd like to definitely thank everyone who got involved in that first, Mm. that first recording. Um, It was fascinating to hear people's experiences already um and it yeah it's well it's maybe well what it's made me think well what can we do next what can happen next so what do you think we should do next mr barker so i think we need to take it to the students don't we we do whether not not just our, our own students but also pgc students as well hmm. so next episode we'll be hearing from some of you guys um who spoke spoke to us about uh their experiences in school um, and gave me a bit of an education again about what, you know, again, what could I be doing? What could we be doing as male teachers? Um, And then we also spoke to some of those PGC students as well that we were talking about today. I wonder if that episode will have a title. I hope so. I hope so. We should start a poll or something. (laughs) Start an ad campaign. (laughs) 